Hello, friends. This is Dave Pasqualone with the Remarkable People Podcast, Season 2, Episode 34, The Andrea Freeman Story. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen. Do. Repeat. For life. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an amazing show for you. Just like most of these episodes, they get better and better as they go on. Andrea's story is remarkable. This is a girl who just didn't know better and started a nonprofit ministry to handicap kids going to summer camp, goes through career changes, successful at the mall, ends up being a wedding planner for high-profile New York and international weddings. Then on top of that, she's now a coach. She runs her own business, and her whole purpose is to help people understand that if we're quiet enough, we're going to hear the guiding and the truth inside of us, and if we follow that without any kind of hesitation, we will succeed. So today's episode is special that we have Andrea with us. Today's episode is special because we have a remarkable sponsor. Once again, thank you, Pam Heinold of Pam Heinold Realty, Better Homes and Gardens, Pensacola. Pam is a top producer. I've said that before. We live in a just amazing community in Pensacola. My wife now works with Pam Heinold in this community part of the Pam Heinold team. It just keeps getting better and better. And what's really cool is now I'm seeing it from the inside, not just on the outside as a client, how hard Pam and her team works to find the right home for you, to help you sell it so you can move to your next destination or so you can enjoy a rental property that you never imagined possible. So if you're in the Pensacola area and you're looking to upgrade a house, Maybe downgrade your size of your house because you're getting older. Maybe you're looking for a one-story. Maybe you just want to live on the water so you can go boating every day. Whatever it is, if you're in this Pensacola region, give Pam a call. You can reach her at pamheinel.com or you can go ahead to our show notes, check it out, click on the link, follow it, give her a call, and let us know when you find your dream house. And another great part of this episode is God has blessed us with our first intern. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Casey. Casey and I were talking. He was saying how he's looking forward to the future and growing, going into politics, and he's looking to learn podcasting. And I said, hey, if you ever want to learn how to podcast, come on by and I'll show you how we do it. So this episode, Casey's been with me the last, oh, five hours making edits, building the website out, making the adjustments, and we still have more to do, but we love it because we get to help you grow, we get to grow, and we get to share just truth and love with the world. So Casey, this is your first time working on a podcast, the first time editing audio. What are your thoughts on the experience so far? I thought it was supposed to be really hard at first and that only like people who are really experienced at this could do it. But then I learned it's actually not bad at all. And it's just, you know, you got to have like a 
very good ear, hearing what people say. And you gotta, the hard part is making it smooth and natural as much as you can. So that way, when you're listening, there's not giggles like I just did earlier and all this other stuff that you don't notice until you're like in these audio files and just how much work we have to put into this and how much work Mr. Dave has put into this, just so you all get the best experience possible. Thanks, man. And did you like he's ready for politics, how he was saying so politely, it's really easy, even Dave can do it. That That's what I heard, right? Is that what you heard? That's what you heard too, right? No, Casey's a great guy. He's got a bright future and maybe he'll be with us to edit more episodes. Uh, but the great quality you hear in this episode with Andrea, thank God, thank Casey. And we're going to start rolling. You want to hear me talk, right? You want to hear the episode. So let's get into it. Enjoy this episode of the Remarkable People podcast, the Andrea Freeman story. Listen to the end. It just keeps getting better and better. And it's just like a book. You never know where something's going to hit you and stand out that changes your life. So listen to it all. Shoot us some feedback. Please like our podcast. Please rate our podcast. Please review our podcast. And if we can't get a five-star review, shoot me an email and tell me why. Me at davidpasqualone.com. And let me know, what am I doing wrong? How can I be better? How can we help you grow in any way, shape, or form? So again, this is Dave with the Remarkable People Podcast, Season 2, Episode 34. Go enjoy the Andrea Freeman story. Andrea, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Oh, I am super excited to have you here because, listeners, you're in for a special treat. Andrea is from New York, and originally, where are you from, Andrea? I am from upstate New York, about 90 minutes north of New York City. Okay, and I don't know if you know this, but I'm originally from outside of Boston, a town called Milford, Mass. Right, we talked about that. Yeah, my husband's from Massachusetts. Yep, so when I'm reading over Andrea's bio, we were connected by a third-party group, Interview Connections, awesome people. And they're also New Englanders. So when we're all talking, I'm reading Andrea's bio, and she's talking about starting her first business when she's 12 years old. And by the time she's graduating high school, and most kids are like, what do I do with life? She's already had three businesses and on the path. So today's episode, Andrea is going to share with us her story, some of the challenges that she's had to face, and how she specifically overcame them to find the success so you can have it too. She's going to talk about her host method, which is super exciting, very practical and hands-on. And we're going to be talking about how in our hearts, we all know the truth. We all know what needs to be done. And Andrew is going to help guide us along the way to release it and to fulfill our destiny. So with that, Andrew, you ready to go? Let's do it. Let's do it. So Andrew, let's do this. Let's start off with the past, as deep as you want to go from, I was born at 230, 40 Woodpecker, or wherever you want to go with life. Tell us your story. So I grew up upstate New York, um, and I always kind of reference New York City in uh, my childhood because my whole family lived in New York City, with the exception of my parents, who moved to the burbs, right? So I always had this kind of like back and forth between the suburbs and the city and, you know, that that contrast in my life. And that's kind of a big part of my story and a big influence in my life. But so I grow up in the suburbs, 90 minutes north of the city. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest influences in my life would be, I say, 
the Girl Scouts. And I say that because I accidentally at 16 discovered my passion. But back to that business that I started at 12 years old, it was because of the Girl Scouts. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, you know, like my Girl Scout leader brings in the Red Cross to do CPR certification and babysitting certification for my Girl Scout troop. And a light bulb goes off. And I'm like, oh, I'm in business. Just start making the flyers, start marketing, reaching out to family, friends. How do I make a flyer? Like, can you sit, do you have a program? We didn't have a computer at that time, but at family friend has one, sit down, bust out some flyers, Xerox them off door to door, selling Andrea's awesome babysitting service. Nice. I know the name is a little silly, but I was 12, <laughs> but that's it. I, I was bitten by the bug and at simultaneously really bitten by the bug of mindfulness. I, a few months into having this little, you know, side hustle, uh, I find my mom's meditation book and she's not using it. I borrow it, but really I steal it. And, uh, and I get into doing some deep breathing exercises and some yoga and some meditation. And like at that early age, I kind of made the connection that there is a better way, a deeper way to be connected to yourself, to know yourself. And on and off uh, I go and, uh, you know, kind of always dabble in this mindfulness practice. So that's a kind of like a common thread through through my life. But I... Uh, keep going with life and, you know, eventually get a real job working at McDonald's, <laughs> born out of the need to uh, try to pay my way to go to summer camp because my family tells me we're not going to pay for soccer camp this year. I'd been a soccer player my whole life. And, uh, you know, there is really this I can do it myself kind of piece of me that's always been there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to to honor myself is really to honor that piece of, of me. And the way that I like to do things is to to really get in there and, and make it, you know, not be stopped by anything, make anything happen. So I'm 16 uh, and I decide because of the Girl Scouts that it's time for me to do something that they make available, uh, you know, and just quick plug for the Girl Scouts of the United States of America, like their programs, just the cookie booths and the regular troop, like in and of that basic program, there's so much available. I feel like it helped prepare me for, for business in a lot of ways, but this wider opportunity experience that they have where they really let you apply for and go to a trip, a program that allows you to have an experience that you couldn't have in your own hometown. So I am, you know, looking through the catalog and I decide I'm going to apply to go work at a summer camp in Kansas City, Missouri. And this is not a regular summer camp. This is a summer camp for kids with disabilities and their non-disabled friends. So it's got like an inclusive uh, premise to it. And this is the home for me, I decide, for for this. You know, some people are applying to go whitewater rafting in Colorado or hiking on the Appalachian Trail. And for whatever reason, I decided to go work. <laughs> hey, that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. So so working, you know, fr from the beginning of, of life, basically, has always been a thing, a real kind of a self-expression for me. So I decided to go work at this summer camp. And... It's the first time I've been away for the, it's not a week. I'm away for a month. I'm basically away for half the summer. And I've never been that far away from my family. 
I get out there, you know, life looks different in Kansas City than it does in New York. Uh, you know, I call my mom. I'm like, oh, I don't think I could do this. I don't think I could stay. And she said, you know, just just give it a shot. Just see how you like it. And of course, you know, a week later, I've met people. I'm, you know, going with it. I'm more in the flow of it. I'm getting the training. I'm meeting other people from around the country. Uh, you know, I'm having the time of my life. And I end up coming home at the end of that summer and kind of not sure what, where do you go from there? I've just had this kind of big life-changing experience and now I'm pop black back down into my life. And actually, can I cut you off? Not cut yeah. you off, but can I, I want to interject. I want you to explain something. We have listeners, thankfully, in 58 countries mm -hmm. and a lot of people have heard about New York and they just have this image of New York City. So you just discussed three different paradigms. You have upstate New York, New York City, and then Kansas City, your camp. Do a quick description of each so people can really understand what you just experienced because that was a life-changing moment for you to see that. So talk to us about upstate New York real quick, city New York, and then Kansas. Yeah. Kansas so, City. So upstate New York, where I grew up, it like I said, 90 minutes uh, north of New York City. And that is nature and mountains and, uh, you know, one of the largest rivers in the country and just, you know, like a very natural, uh, very different escape and experience from New York City. New York breathtakingly City. breathtakingly beautiful. Breathtakingly beautiful. Oh, yes. Yeah. Stunning. I mean, really, there's like a whole art movement dedicated to the Hudson Valley. So this is this is that area, that scenic Hudson Valley. And, uh, you know, but every holiday in my childhood, we're going into the city and, you know, visiting family. And everybody in, in that extended part of the family lives a faster paced life. It's, you know, the concrete jungle. It's the city that dreams are made of. It's the city that never sleeps. It's the big apple. Everybody, everybody knows it. So it's got that energy, right? Uh, and then Kansas City is the Midwest. It's, you know, this is, a, this is the first time I see a cheesecake factory. Boom. <laughs> but like, you know, <laughs> mind altering experience right there. It's a city that actually has a lot of history to it that burned down at you know, at a certain point, and then was rebuilt by a mayor who had a deep love for the city of Seville in Spain. So it's the Midwest, but it's got a lot of culture to it. I go to my first, uh, you know, big arena where the Kansas City Chiefs play, but I go see a soccer game because it's the middle of the summer. Um, so yeah, I, but I have some of the best barbecue that I've ever had. Kansas City barbecue. I mean, you know, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And even just driving there, I remember the first time I drove to Kansas City, it was in the middle of the night. And I think that was the best way I could have been introduced to the city. Pitch black, pitch black, pitch black. And then you come over this hill and it's like pfft, illumination, just lights everywhere. D did you see that at night when you were traveling there? I did. So I, so the flatness of it was really just uh, mind boggling to me. I'm from some, a place that is very hilly. It's up and down all the time when you're driving. And so just how flat and vast the land is was just like nothing I had ever seen at that point in my life. And, and really beautiful in a, in a very different and very distinct way. I found out what a chigger was. Like I never heard of a <laughs> chigger before at those little buggers. Uh, yeah, just really, really very different. Thanks for, yeah. point, you know, pointing that out. Yeah, no, no. So for our listeners all over the world, just like Pearl, your country, 
there's areas that are just so different. And within America, we have 50 states and they're just gorgeous and they're so different. So when we're sitting here talking with this, I just wanted Andrew to explain, this is a real paradigm shift for a 16-year-old because the attitude of people is different in the Midwest. The The mentality is different. The pace is different. So this is a real culture shock and change for her. So that's why I wanted to make sure for anyone who doesn't have that experience yet in their life, go get it. It's so awesome. But now Andrea gave you that frame of reference that you can hang with the rest of your story. So Andrea, pick up from there, please, with your your story. Yeah. So so I'm out there working at the camp. I come home having had this experience and really not fully assimilated it yet at that point, really kind of uh, starting to integrate and process what I had experienced. And uh, you know, in, of course, that being away for that amount of time, everybody wants to know, how was it? What'd you do? And what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? This is the biggest question that everybody's asking me. And I decide. And one more question too, just for frame, I don't want to get punched in the face, but frame of reference, me and you, I think this is before the internet and cell phones and taking pictures of everything we do, right? So you're explaining to your family and you're trying to show them maybe Polaroids or something, right? Exactly. I'm showing, yeah, I'd taken my, uh, this is the, uh, the time of the one hour photo. This is, I had taken all my film and, you know, it's in process and I'm showing actual physical pictures. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, way, yeah way before yeah. the internet. So they haven't seen this for the whole time. It's all new to everybody and everybody you run to is asking this question. Yeah, this is back in the day when you were away. Really, you were away. <laughs> Nobody yeah. knew what was going on. Well, we wrote letters. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Keep going, keep going. So, so I am trying to figure out, like, what is my answer to this question going to be? Because people keep asking. I need to have an answer. And so... Uh, the next thing that you can do in the Girl Scouts is do a project to earn your gold award, which is the equivalent to the Eagle Scout in Boy Scouts. And so I, that's basically, I decide what's next for me. And I'm trying to figure out what my project is. And my mom says, why don't you start a summer camp? Like the one that you did, like, you just can't stop talking about this camp. We don't have one here. Why don't you do it? And so I saw no reason not to. And i just said, okay. And so I fill out all the paperwork. I apply. You have to have your project approved. Um, the project actually never gets approved, if, oddly enough. They think it's too too big for, for me to, to do by myself, which I eventually convinced them to give me a provisional approval. Let's just see how much I can get done, and we'll take it one step at a time. And so... This is right at the end of the summer. This project's provisionally approved. I go back to life, school, you know, all of it, and I'm not doing much with it. And the spring rolls around and it's soccer season, you know, training time. And my mom looks at me and says, what are you doing with that project? It's spring. You're, you know, you need to work on this or it's not going to happen. And that's the first time I realized in my life that if I don't do it, like no one else is, right? Like nobody else is thinking about the things that are important to me. And I have this kind of pivotal moment where I have to make a, a choice about priorities. And I realize that this project is super important to me and that I'm not going to be able to fulfill my commitment to it 
if I'm playing soccer and I, you know, all my after school time is designated to something that doesn't give me time to tend to this project. So I, I am super scared to go talk to my coach and tell him that I've decided that I'm leaving the team, that there's something more important. And, uh, you know, it takes me like about a week to work up the courage and go have this conversation. You know, I I just, it was almost like I thought I was going to die or something. You know, I thought it was that big a deal. And uh, And again, back then, coaches weren't uh, politically correct. They were more passionate and in your face when you made decisions like that. Yeah, this coach was a yeller. So, uh, you know, I was like ready for anything. I'm definitely ready for the worst. And actually his, his response could not have been more loving or supportive. He, you know, really understood that, that I was going to do something that for me was very big and uh, that was for the community was big and just gave me a big hug and said, you know, knock him dead. So that's awesome. Yeah. They were only all like that. Yeah. Yeah. I got lucky. (laughs) I had the coach on cocaine who grabbed my side and threatened me, right? Totally a different experience. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I was, I was given this permission. Uh, It felt, uh, you know, at that age, I felt I needed the external permission uh, to go and, you know, do this passion project. And, you know, I had never done anything like this. I was super nervous, Uh, you know, do what do I do? Where do I start? So I, you know, I call Kansas City. Can you send me your materials, your registration materials? What do you do? How do you do this camp? They're fully supportive. They want this to expand. They want there to be more camps like this. So, so I start to develop a really big support network and I'm doing radio interviews and newspaper interviews. I'm promoting, I'm promoting something that doesn't even exist. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do with this thing. I, you know, I'm making it up as I go along. And that, that's the beauty of the, the naivete at that age. You just, you don't know what you don't know. You just, you know, onto the next step, one step <laughs> at a time. You don't, you don't have to see the whole puzzle. Like there was zero judgment about, uh, that I should be doing it a certain way or I shouldn't be doing it a certain way because that, I had no experience up until that point. So I got to be in the the dance of that kind of creativity and just letting it unfold. And it is unbelievable the things that the universe plays. I just all the right people in my path and all the right supporters. And when I needed campers, the, the, the word got out and, you know, school psychologists talking to all of their teachers and promoting it to day programs. And, you know, fast forward, we go from... Uh, March to it's June, it's camp weekend, and we've got a whole, you know, schedule of events lined up. We've got nurses, we've got a fully accessible camp, we've got, we've got all the bells and whistles of a camp experience for a population in, in this area that had not experienced a camp experience in their own hometown. This is a community of kids that always had to go to another area to be able to be connected and to to have a community. So to, to have a community shared experience and bring that kind of joy to my hometown, my sister included, who has a disability and is really kind of like the catalyst for all of this, uh, it, it was really special. Wow. I can't even imagine that. I mean, as an adult, like you said, we're just like, obstacle, 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 obstacle. We're thinking of all the reasons we can't do this. But as a kid, you're just like, let's do it. A property. Where did you even hold it? So uh, 90 minutes north of the city, there is a camp facility called, it's part of the Fresh Air Fund, which is a 
designed, it's acres and acres, I mean, in the, the Hudson Valley Hills of a gorgeous property designed to give kids who are from the inner city, New York City, the experience to come for the summer and be at a summer camp. And now uh, Tommy, Phil, Tommy Hilfiger has a camp here. Mariah Carey has a camp here. There are There's a lot of beautiful facilities and it's still very rustic. I don't, you know, it's not like overly opulent or anything, but there is a camp within that larger camp uh, system that is fully wheelchair accessible, that has all the ramps and all the lifts and all the, you know, things that you need to be able to have kids with special needs have a camp experience. And so I reached out to the director of the Fresh Air Fund. I mean, this is one of the largest nonprofits in the country. And I'm just like, hey, I need a camp for the weekend. Can we use your space? And he said yes, and he said, I got some extra grant money. I'll defer the cost so that we make this a really affordable experience and you get some people you know, filled up. We don't want to deter anybody with expense. Oh, I, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, this is like really kind of like divine timing at every turn. Uh, it, that was the experience with this. I was super, super fortunate. And, uh, you know, like I, I almost would, would say uh, divinely guided. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that doesn't yeah. happen every day. I mean, just liability alone, especially you have teens or kids, and now you have kids with disabilities. Oh, that is just awesome. Yeah. So, so that was, that was one of the first experiences for, you know, creating something bigger than myself and get, you know, creating something that really took the experience that inspired me so much in Kansas City, which was this ability to connect a community and create it instantly, you know, have people come together who didn't know each other, have a shared experience and leave stronger because of that experience. And, you know, that Kansas City was like kind of the the bug that I got bitten by being able to make that available for other people at my camp at home, which gave me the experience to put that into action, to actually take something that inspired me and make it real in the real world. Man, that's so amazing. And then let me ask you a question. That first year, mm-hmm. how many people... How many weeks did you do for the camp? Was it one week? Was it eight weeks? How long was that first camp? So it's it's actually a camping like weekend. It's an extended weekend. We do it. And uh, the first year is one weekend. And then the Girl Scout Council, because, uh, you know, basically you, commu- you complete the project and you're, you're done. You earn your gold award. And so the local council didn't want it to disappear. So they asked me to turn it over to them, which meant two years of training them how I did it. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's time for me to leave for college. So then they're, then I leave them, you know, I'm on to the next experience of my life and they are uh, running it. And it, it, went on to run successfully for another 10 years. And I'm happy to say that the only reason that it was dissolved was because the local council established a summer camp, like a really fully inclusive summer camp so that for weeks on end, kids with disabilities could go to summer camp with kids who are not disabled. Man, that's such a blessing. So you were kind of like a catalyst and a leader that God used in your vit. He gave you a vision you saw it, you made it happen, and then it led to a vision that other people caught on to, and now you can look back and see it. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's only in hindsight that I can see that this is really where I discovered my passion, right? Like at 16, you're just kind of doing what feels like fun or what feels right. Or, you know, you're not thinking too much. Is this the right thing for me? Is this what should I be doing? You're just, you're doing, you're doing whatever. (laughs) So yeah, this is definitely, um, something where I felt in my heart that I wanted to make something available, you know, just that inner wisdom that, that was bubbling up that maybe because I had dabbled in, you know, the meditation and the mantras and the breathing, maybe some of that, you know, like allowed me to hear myself or I don't know exactly what it was. Yeah. When you're saying that makes me think of the verse, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. We need to be still. And there's another episode. I don't know. Do you know who George Hoffman is? No, I'm sorry. He he talks, well, there's a million, billions of people in the world, but <laughs> he was on one of our episodes and he talks about how learning to meditate, like mm. balance biblical meditation and just hearing that voice inside and pushing everything else out. So let me ask you a question before we go on to more, because you have so much more life story, which is amazing. What are some things, if you were to say just two or three real main takeaways you learned from that experience, even though you were 16 Man, these these leadership principles, these life principles you can use too. And just, it, it's helped me so much in life. Yeah. So for me, the biggest takeaway in all of this was being able to have a vision, hold it, even if nobody else can see it. Uh, you know, have that faith in, in what you believe in your heart you want to make available and the right people will show up, you know? Uh, and and to not be so serious, to to just kind of dance in the process and see what shows up, you know. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of the the divine timing of it all was really just that I didn't have a str- a chokehold on the way I thought it should go. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, in a couple months we can't, and I'm quoting air quotes. You can't see me. You can't launch a, a camp. You can't launch a camp, especially for children with disabilities. But Andrea's sitting here and she's like, yeah, you can. I did it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I just think like some of the most miraculous things that people have produced in this world have been in the face of no, have been in the face of you can't. So you finish this, you train adults you go off to college, talk, pick up from there. Yeah. So so another kind of pivotal moment is going away to college. You know, when, again, people start asking, what are you going to do? So that had happened with my camp, and now it's happening again, just, you know, shortly after. What are you going to do? What are you going to study? What do you want to be? And I just thought to myself, I like camp. Camp isn't something you could do year round. I'll become a teacher. And like, that's as much thought as I put into it, right? Like, it's like <laughs> what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Now nah, become a teacher. And uh, so I go off to college and I'm studying education and I uh, am loving it. I'm thriving. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be a classroom teacher for a little while. I'm going to get my master's and then a PhD. I'm going to become a college professor because one of the things I learned really quickly in life is that I don't do anything small. (laughs) 
uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to rise to the top, whatever it is I get involved in, I'm going to, you know, rise to the top, I'm going to make it big and let people know that this, they can do it too. So uh, I, you know, I'm moving forward with my studies, and I'm having a great time because when you're studying education, you get to develop curriculum. It's incredibly creative. Mm-hmm. And where'd you go to college? Where'd you choose? I, so I went to, initially I went to Geneseo State, so, you know, state school, um, and then I transferred to Buffalo State College. Okay, so you're still in New York. So I'm still in New York. And Buffalo's still upstate New York with really warm winters, right? Oh, yeah, that lake effect snow keeps you warm at night, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) We're being totally sarcastic again if you're not from that area. It's freezing cold. It's freezing cold. There's snow banks that are, you know, about as tall as me. I'm five feet tall. So, I mean, it's it's intense winter snow, intense lake effect, but beautiful summers. I mean, some of the most beautiful summers I've ever experienced in my life. So, yeah, so I have this chance to go up there and really be creative in in the education space. I'm really jazzed about it. And, you know, I'm actually going to go straight for my master's is the plan. Uh, I apply, I get accepted. Uh, best literacy program in New York State, maybe one of the best in the country. Super, super excited about it. And something inside me just said, it's time for a break right? All the work of 12 years of school through, you know, elementary, high school, all of that, then straight four years of college. I just didn't have, I needed a break. I didn't have the stamina to get into another really intense program. And so at the time I had a boyfriend, he's in a band, they're all living together in a house just right outside of New York City. They got a you know, a rep from a record label. I think, you know, they're gonna be famous. They think they're gonna be famous. I'll just move in with them for the summer. Let's just, you know, have some fun. So I'm waiting tables at a restaurant. I'm, you know, just kind of taking it easy. And it's getting close to I should go, you know, maybe to this grad program or communicate that I'm not going to show up. And I decide to really continue to continue my break and keep just working at a restaurant and, you know, figuring myself out. And the the band doesn't make it. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but you did. So that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. And I decide as the band is breaking up that I'm going to move to New York City. And it's time. I've been dancing around New York City my whole life. My family's from there. I've always wanted to live there. It's just time to go, you know, be in the city. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know why I'm moving there, but I'm going to go and it's going to be awesome. (laughs) And I decide when I get there to maybe see, check out, should I teach? Should I not? So I start substitute teaching and uh, I end up getting a job as a teacher And it really kind of confirms what I was worried about, which is that when you're in the classroom, you're not in charge of the curriculum. You don't make that decision. It's really handed to you. Uh, And there's a lot less creativity for compared to what I need. I really am somebody who likes to feel very creative in in my uh, endeavors for work. And so I decide to leave and... uh, and this is it's not a decision that I make lightly. This is one of those years when I actually look at it, it almost, every time I look back, it feels like it was two years. There's me trying to jazz myself up and get excited, you know, reignite that fire that I had when I was studying in college. And, uh, you know, 
I'm leaning on the the people in the profession who are who are wise and who love it. And you know, I find some really good mentors. And I just can't figure out how to ignite that for me. I keep feeling like I need to do something that reaches more people. I don't know about what, I don't know what that's about, but I feel like I need to do something where I get to be creative, I get to be more generative, and that I'm reaching a larger audience. And so I make the decision after I end up actually being so worried and so fearful of throwing away what I had, you know, my parents had spent all this money sending me to college and I had, uh, you know, invested all this time studying and, you know, that it, at the time feels like I'm going to throw this all away. But I just get to the point of clarity where I can't, for my own sake of my own heart, do anything other than what resonates for me. It's not about other people's wants. It's not about other people's desires. You know, it's not about anything other than truing up to myself, you know, really getting clear about that it's okay to make a shift, that it's okay to to pivot. And I decide to go to culinary school. So Oh, nice. Yeah. So why I say it feels like it was two years is halfway through the year, I start hosting all these dinner parties and people are like, this is your passion. This is what you love. And, you know, and I'm still listening to other people at at this point, you know, letting other people tell me what my passion is. Now, I love I love cooking. It is a huge passion of mine. Uh, And I go to culinary school and I open a catering company and and I and I do some stuff there in that space. And it is it was that in an adult frame of mind to allow myself to actually tap into a little bit of what I did in my camp project, right? A little bit of like, let's just see where this goes. A little bit of uh, more playfulness and uh, and joy, you know, cultivating joy. Uh, really not giving into the status quo of finding a profession and, you know, doing that one thing for the rest of your life, even if you hate it, you know, do it for the insurance, none of that, like none of that was going to satisfy me. And I did feel at the time, like I am making a mistake. I definitely felt like I was making a mistake. I had friends who were, you know, starting to climb their own corporate ladders and experience success. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm a little late to be trying something new. <laughs> 25 years old, a little late to be trying something. I mean, it's like <laughs> self-imposed pressure. <laughs> um, but I do it, it you know, in, in spite of the fear. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that, that I learned at that time is that I'm bigger than my fears. Because again, you know, now I've had this camp experience where I told my soccer coach I'm going to leave and I was really scared to have that conversation. And I leave that I tell my parents I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. I'm really worried about what their reaction is going to be. And, you know, it turns out it's not as big as I think it's going to be. And that that I I find my own passion. I, I give myself the time to do that inner work and not give in to the noise, not give in to the fear, not give in to other people's opinions. So that's where I started to really find my own 
inner compass, I would say. Yeah, and it's crazy because when you were younger, you said you were following the vision even if nobody saw it. And now you're saying you're following what resonates for you. And you were afraid and you felt like you were making a mistake. And how many of us, myself and all the listeners out there, we know exactly what you're talking about. Nobody else is moving this direction. Nobody else, and nobody again, quote, but it feels like nobody else is doing this. What's wrong with me? But again, the leaders aren't the sheep. So you're thinking like a leader and you're listening to that voice inside of you moving you the right direction when everybody else is, when you're moving with status quo, guess where you're going to end up? Status quo. Mm-hmm. So 100%. Looking, yeah, when you're looking for that vision and you're following it, it's going to be uncomfortable. Like Andrea says, it's going to be scary, but you got to push through. So keep going. This is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And so this is where I really start to dive into some personal development. This is where I really grab it you know, by the horns and decide that that this is the moment in my life where I have to look at how I make decisions, how I move forward in life, how I figure things out for myself. And I mean, I'm just devouring books. I'm taking classes. I'm getting coaching. I, I decide I throw it all in. <laughs> you know, I'm trying everything. And I start to get to the point where I am realizing that I'm the captain of this ship. You know, that I really get to say where this is going. And so I realized that if I get to say where this is going, then I need to figure out what I have to say. I need to figure out what is my purpose? What is my why? What is the thing that's driving me? And I... I kind of, you know, I've had some experiences where I I did my summer camp and I worked at the one in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, I, I get to this moment of clarity where I realize that creating connection and inspiration is the thing that drives me and that that's what I want to make available in the world. And I think this is great. I have this catering company. This is an outlet for that. And as soon as you have some clarity, I realize that's when the fears and the doubts creep in, right? So I have this moment of clarity and I quickly start saying to myself, but you don't know how to run a business. You never really ran a bit, you know, it's been a side hustle. You never really ran a business full time. Uh, you know, you can't do it. Like you don't know enough about money. All this stuff kind of starts just flooding in. And I think think one of my defaults is to to always decide to learn more. So I'm like on on the fence, maybe I'll go get an MBA uh, or I end up having this experience thrown in my path where I get to be the finance manager for a leadership development company, one of the largest leadership development companies in the world. And I decide to do it. They think I'm the right person for the job. I get to lead, you know, help them create transformational courses, courses that help people develop clarity and, uh, you know, vision for themselves and create results that they couldn't have even imagined. And so I'm like, this, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I want to be a part of. This is, this is, I think I'm starting to feel like when I left teaching, how I wanted to be part of something that makes something bigger available for the world. This is starting to feel right. So, so I say, yes, I take the job. And I do that for for a couple of years, and then I meet the love of my life. And uh, nice. yeah, and 
Within that organization or just same time period? Same time period, not within that organization. It turns out he had done some classes with them too, but um, I didn't know that before before we met. So we decide, you know, it's time, it's the right time to leave New York and move to Los Angeles because he's a television producer and he gets offered a job out there. So I go with him. We're not engaged. We're not, we're just, you know, we know we want to be together, but uh, I just take a chance. I just take a leap of faith and I move sight unseen across the country to Los Angeles, which by the way, I thought all looked like Beverly Hills. Like in the movies, right? (laughs) I didn't know it was a desert. I didn't know anything. I mean, I was like still so young um, in my thinking about it. And get out there, you know, 3,000 miles away from family, 3,000 miles away from everything that up until that point had been normal and comfortable and very known to me and have to figure it out. And luckily, when luckily we went out there for his job because this was at the height of the last recession. So there are no jobs to be had in Los Angeles. Nobody's hiring. It's 14% unemployment in California. And I am bored. Uh, you know, you can only unpack the apartment and make make a home for so long. And then you just need something, something to do, something to be busy. I am not great at being bored. So... So we're around 2007 now. Where are we at timeline? Yeah, it's it's 2009. 2009. Okay. So mm-hmm. after the housing bubble burst in America, everybody was like, you know, living large, making up stuff, and then boom, it bursts and we're all deflated and housing is like a house if you had a $500,000 house is now worth 250 in some areas. Oh, yeah, so, everybody's so, upside down on their mortgage. I mean, it's not yeah. the financial picture is not pretty. And so I am just looking for work. And then we get engaged and we I plan our wedding and, you know, that whole thing happens. And still after we come back from our honeymoon, still trying to figure out what I'm going to do and still looking for work and, you know, on the phone again with my mom, who's just that little voice of that little voice in my head that always nudges me in the right direction. Amazing. Amazing. Woman. Yeah. It seems like God uses your compass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she tells me, why don't you just help people plan weddings? Cause you did it so easily. I planned our whole wedding in, in two months. Cause it, 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 television production is really weird where you don't know what your summer hiatus is going to look like. They get the summer off, but it's sometimes it's a month. Sometimes it's two months. They don't know when it's going to start. They don't know when it's going to end. So you find out that you're on summer break and you got to just jump into action if you want to do anything for the summer. So planned, executed, did our whole wedding across the country because we got married in New York, even though we were living in Los Angeles, uh, in a very, very short time period, according to the wedding industry that, you know, just barrages ladies mostly who are planning weddings. Um, but, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with yeah, the notion the that- Spend all the time to plan it so you black out during the day because of stress and you don't remember it anyways. Best year of your life is how it's marketed because you're going to plan it for a year. And I just thought, well, you know, it doesn't have to take that long. So I did it really quickly. And then I 
you know, my mom pops this idea into my head, like, oh, you could do this for other people. And I think, well, you know, I had all that, I had a lot of event production experience under my belt from having worked for the leadership development company and helping them to, you know, see all the timelines and what goes into planning these courses. And, uh, you know, just kind of mapped that onto, I had, I had planned 40 events in a year when I was working with them. I could plan events for people. Sure. So I just, and hey, just to pause, yeah. again, if you're listening 40 events a year, Andrew's talking pretty casual, just to do trade shows for an organization and coordinate people getting there, having hotel rooms, having products show up, and working with unions, that's a huge, massive undertaking. Now, she's talking about doing 40 live events with humans, <laughs> like herding cats, not just the people you're working with, but now hundreds and thousands of guests. So this is a pretty impressive, she's just kind of brushing it off. But if you've never had a coordinated event, that is not an easy task once, let alone 40 times. So that's pretty mad skills, Andrea. You're sweet. I I do have a tendency to talk about it like it's no big deal. And it, yeah, it wasn't until until a few years into my business that I realized like what a massive undertaking it is and and that everybody can't necessarily do it. And honestly, going into my business, um, you know, again, not really having a lot of business experience as I launched this event planning company, I start to do what I feel like I should be doing, what everybody else seems to be doing. I'm looking around, I'm I'm noticing what the other event planners are doing. So I, you know, I take an ad in the the knot, which is the biggest bridal publication in the country. I, uh, you know, doing some online advertising with them as well. And at the time, they offered a deal program that was very similar to like Groupon or something, you know, something where you make a deal of it, you make a service available for a very discounted price. And uh, they take a percentage, you know, for advertising it for you. So because of that, I got seven clients in a day. And so I'm just off in business. Yeah. I'm like off to the races and, you know, still really looking at what everybody else is doing. Oh, I should offer these services. I should offer those services, but not really based on anything that I know, you know, I'm really good at just because everybody other than I can do events as far as how to structure my programs, how to structure my offerings, I was really kind of looking around. I was very much looking outside. And I got really tired of that very quickly and uh, started to feel like I'm owning a business that isn't really a reflection of me and started to uh, work with a coach who was, you know, kind of a an online marketing expert, like a an SEO. At the, at the time, it was like when SEO was really first emerging, and so at that, that's the first work where I had to get kind of clear about what makes me special, what distinguishes me from other people. And these are questions I had never really thought to ask myself because, you know, I didn't have the the business experience to even know to ask these questions. So she really was my first mentor in the business space and guiding me towards looking at, you know, what distinguishes me, what sets me apart. And I end up deciding that basically what I did for my own wedding, which is plan something really quickly, is what sets me apart. That I don't think it has to take a year. I don't think it has to be stressful. I think it could be quick. I think it could be easy. I think it could be elegant and effortless. And I still think it can happen for on budget. And this is, you and know, that's very important for a husband or father. 
Exactly, exactly. I really keyed into something. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you right now, on budget, I'm in. So, so yeah, so I, so I run with that and, and it's great. And this is like the perfect thing to be doing. It was actually perfect that I didn't find a job when I moved out to Los Angeles because the television production world is very erratic. My husband would work 14 days in a row and then he would have five days off and then he would work seven days in a row and have three days off. And it was not predictable. So if I had had a nine to five Monday through Friday, we never would have seen each other. Our days off wouldn't have aligned. But I had the space being new in business and you know owning a business in the first place where I could say, I'm not working today. And you know, we're gonna go out and we're gonna go to the beach and we're gonna go ride our cruisers on the boardwalk and you know, that kind of stuff. So it gave me the flexibility to to carve out the life that I really wanted to be living, my my epic Southern California life. And that was when I really grounded into the seeing myself as a business owner, really enjoying the perks of business ownership. In addition to that, I was doing something to be of service to other people, to help them through a time that many people find stressful, that I can just waltz through and, you know, take that stress, take the parts off of their shoulders that they don't want to tend to and allow them to tend to the things that they enjoy and uh, and carve out a life that I that I really envision for myself, which is, you know, really enjoyable. Beautiful. So now you're in California. You got this great life, flexible schedule. Your husband's working, fulfilling his dream and vision at that point. You're fulfilling yours, and then bring us into today. Yeah. So, so one of the things to, to really just know about that time in, in California and when I started my business is that right after that had happened, my husband's mother passed away. And. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. This is, this is devastating for, for him. This is devastating for anyone, but this is especially devastating for him because he had already lost his father and he's an only child. So he finds himself kind of untethered. And he's from New York too, originally? He's from Massachusetts. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. That's where I'm from. Yeah. So yeah, you're super close to your mom typically when you're a mass boy. Yep. But very, very close. I mean, they talked daily, multiple times a day sometimes. Uh, and so he really is, you know, dealing with an emotional trauma that is unlike anything that I had ever experienced. Uh, in some some days felt like more than I could be there for him for. And it really weighs on our relationship. And so being in Southern California, why it's amazing, you know, and I know that I share this story, the business story and founding my company in, in a way that's, you know, very positive and, and makes it seem like it was effortless. And the business side almost was. That was that was just, you know, the right things were popping up, the seven customers the first day, the that kind of stuff was just kind of really, really clicking and falling into place. But the personal side at that same time was really kind of feeling at the time like it was falling apart. And I was feeling like, boy, I don't know if I can stay married. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we can handle this kind of stress and not having support, you know, we're 3,000 miles away from everybody. And so that becomes... A key, 
a key component in deciding to relocate back to New York that, you know, I just have that real straight talk with him one day where I say, you know, I'm with you and I want to be able to support you, but I need support for me. And if we stand any chance of making it through this storm, we need to be closer to our people. And, you know, we've talked about having kids. I can't see how we're going to do that 3,000 miles away from everybody we know. We just, we need to figure out how to get back to New York. And so we decide to go. He He's, you know, having a hard time, but he really, he he's in it too. We're, we're definitely aligned. There's a lot of wisdom in what you said. I mean, the most priority is, you know, your relationships and to take that level of maturity and say, it's not about careers, it's about us. That's huge. And especially a future us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so we decide to move back to New York and moving back to New York, uh, we're, we decide also at the same time that we're done living in cities. Like we'd done the New York city thing. That's where we met. We had done the LA thing. That's where we're leaving. So it's time to be closer to family and really be close to family. So we moved to, to the suburbs where I'm from, uh, the Hudson Valley. And this is, you know, a big decision for two people who had spent their entire adult lives living in the cities and, you know, now are acclimating to to living in a, in a very different arena. And I don't move my business. I decide, you know, I, I can't start a business again. I'm not going to do that. For whatever reason, we decide to do real estate together. That lasts about 30 seconds. we're not meant to work together i don't know how anybody does it (laughs) yeah that's a whole different mentality you're gonna be able to turn on and off and compartmentalize big time (laughs) big time big time we couldn't we couldn't do it uh you know so i in the the brief little stint that we had doing real estate together i was trying to promote some i don't know some video of a house on my youtube channel i don't even know what i was thinking and but i bumped into a wedding video from a wedding that I had done in Los Angeles. And it's late at night. I'm sitting in the office by myself and I just start crying. And I realize that I miss this work deeply. And now I'm faced with, again, another conversation where I'm really scared. We moved across the country. We decided to, you know, get into real estate together. He did it for me. What I'm going to just bail on him and go do something else. So I am freaking out to tell him this. But the next morning, uh, you know, now long, now these conversations don't take me a week to build up the courage. I can do it pretty quickly. And I tell <laughs> him the next, tell him the next morning. And, and again, no, no, no upset at all. Like, oh, that's what you love. Yeah, you should totally be doing what you love. And that was it. Like, but just in an instant, I'm not doing real estate. Now he's doing real estate by himself. Again, it still really doesn't last that much longer for him, but he's back in television. But um, I call up some contacts in New York and say, I'm going to launch my event planning company again. And I, again, get to experience this this feeling of being divinely guided and protected because I call up the first photographer I call, Oh, I have a client who doesn't have a planner. They totally need a planner. Let me see if they're interested. We get connected. 
I end up working this wedding at the Mandarin Oriental in New York City, which is, you know, one of the most luxurious brands in the world, let alone in New York City. So now I'm thrown into planning luxurious events, at, you know, in one of the highest stakes markets in the country. And New York continues to be very good to me. And I get to have a lot of growth experiences with my company and developing into what becomes an international brand, um, you know, planning celebrity events, uh, planning events in multiple countries around the world, just b- bigger than I ever could have imagined I- in many ways. And, I, you know, it was, it's been incredible. And also, there's, I don't know if you, do you know um, Atomic Habits by James Clear? I do not. No. Okay. It's a great book. But so he has this. I'll put set. a link in the show notes so people can grab it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great, especially for business owners. I mean, for anybody, but really it's, it's been amazing as a business owner. He has this saying where he, he jokes that uh, a business is a self-development engine disguised as a business pursuit. Ah, very nice. Yeah. And honestly, that's that is what my business has been for me. I have learned so much about myself and what's important to me and you know, where to find my center and how to get myself regrounded. And honestly, it's what had me create this host method that I now have taken from, you know, having developed it for myself in my own business and working with coaching clients which is, um, you know, really about, so basically each of the, the letters, this is an acronym. The H is honor your why. The O is own who you truly are. The S is shift your perspective. And the T is to take inspired action. And this is what Andrea Freeman Events New York City actually has me do. It has me go through this entire process. Because, uh, you know, at that, at that time, when I landed back in the city, I still didn't feel that I was an expert in the in the industry and was still looking very much outside of myself for what kind of things should I be making available? What should my services look like? What's everybody else doing? How are people in this market pricing themselves? Very, very still like looking outside for answers. And at a certain point, I wake up one day, and this is, you know, a couple years into being back and established in New York City and now being a mother and deciding that my business efforts need to be much more effective. I don't have time to waste in my business. If I'm going to be spending time away from my husband and my daughter, it has to be because this is energizing me. This feels like the right thing to be doing. And so I, I take a lot of time still still honoring my obligations to my clients but i spe- start spending a lot of my days doing personal development stuff really doing the work to look at um you know how does this how does my brand how does what i make available align with my purpose i'm still very clear that my purpose is to connect people and inspire them and events is a huge avenue for that uh, you know, but really making sure that I am starting to communicate that in my messaging. And I do a big, into, this is 2016, no, 2015. I do a big rebrand. 
I decide that I'm going to overhaul everything, the website, the client gifting program, the, you name it, all of it is getting an overhaul. And all of it that I put back into place has to align with why I am on this planet, what I feel I'm here to contribute, and what I think as a result my events can make available. And as a result, what my clients' events can make available for their community. So it's really about connecting people and inspiring them. And at this point, I decide that I have to really lean into who I truly am and who we all truly are as human beings on this planet, right? That we are all connected to this infinite source, that we are all infinitely powerful, that like and and that that I'm not separate from that that this fear that I keep having this you know some people call it imposter syndrome has to slip away that I have to lean into this co-creative process with something bigger than me that I keep hearing and honoring throughout this process of life these you know these heart callings if you will and that that is coming from something deeper something bigger and and that it's okay to be honest about that and share that with people. And that will only make my business and my services stronger. So I start getting really, you know, authentic about who I am, where my inspiration comes from, why, I, you know, I make these services available. And then I start to really have to shift my perspective. I have to let go of the limiting beliefs. I have to let go of the negative self-talk. I have to let go of that, you know, that other people can be successful, but not me. And, you know, kind of like these subconscious, many of them subconscious thoughts that were just kind of holding me back, that were not allowing me to fully embrace my full power, my full potential. And I mean, I'm doing it all. I'm doing the journal exercises. I'm doing the affirmations. I'm sitting down in prayer. I am doing everything to kind of shift the, the view, to get to that higher perspective, to be able to stay in alignment with who I truly am. And eventually it starts to lead to a feeling of total fulfillment with everything that I have in my current state, in my current iteration of my business, in my relationship, in my family, and, uh, you know, in what I'm making available because I, I mean, I'm cutting services left and right. I'm raising the prices of my services. And these end up being the inspired actions that I am called to take because I am so clear that it makes my business better, that it makes my time away from my family worth it, that it makes my, uh, you know, efforts more effective. And as I go through this process, you know, it's not it's one and done. It's over and over in every area of the business, every area of the life. As I keep going through this process, my, my clarity and my understanding, my trust, my faith, it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. And I, and I do finally arrive to the point where I say that I'm onto something, you know, I'm seeing it really produce results in my business and I'm starting to really talk to other people about it. And a lot of business to business conversations are ending in, could you be my coach? 
oh, I like that what you're saying. Can I talk to you? You know, if I can I work out my pricing with you? Can I talk to you about my client gifting program? Can I talk about this? Can I talk about that? And at first, I just think no. I don't have time for that. I'm an event planner. You know, I used to do coaching stuff. I don't do that anymore. And then eventually, I say. It's time. It's still t- time to be open to this process. It's still time to listen. It's still time. You know, I I have a rule that if I hear something three times, it's really time to start paying attention. Yeah, I, yeah, right. Like it's just like something bigger is calling you. Yeah, and you, the whole time you're speaking, I keep hearing two voices. Mm-hmm. You're experiencing and living the the two voices. You get the good voice that's leading you and loving you and trying to guide you the right way. And then what I love about your story is you just said like a little bit ago, every time you, you know, you had to have that conversation with your coach and then you had to have a conversation with your mom. Then you had to have a conversation with your husband. Each time you realize I don't need to worry about this. It's getting easy. It's not easy, but it got easier each time because you turned in and faced it. And that little evil voice we think is going to be the end of the world and it's going to cause us so much chaos and our, and it's going to be so difficult and insurmountable. But when we face it 99 out of a hundred times, it's not that big of a deal. And you're learning and you're developing and you're doing. I kept thinking about the Bible verse, you know, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts will be established. And you weren't sitting on your hands thinking, what should I do with my life? You were doing and refining and doing and refining. And as you did, it became clear. So that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story, Andrea. Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me a platform to share it. I mean... No, and I know we're not done. So this is going on. You're you're refining your life. You're refining your purpose like that. The Atomic Habits author said, you know, the business is just really developing us. You know, our whole life is just an interview. We're developing us for eternity, right? So as this is developing, now you're coaching. Bring us to today. What are you doing today? And how can we help you grow? Yeah, so now I'm coaching. And I I work with with clients in a lot of different ways. I am mostly working with entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs who are in about that three to five years of business and who are going through that process that I was going through when I decided to do that rebrand, who are really looking at, you know, I had this milestone, whether it was, you know, a revenue milestone and it took, you know, so much to get here. And now I've set a new goal. And if it's going to take as much work, I don't know if I can do it. They're starting to feel like their pace is unsustainable and they, they know that there could be an easier way. So I work with them to really ground into this process, ground into trusting themselves, ground into the co-creative process with something bigger than themselves, you know, whether it's God or the universe or whatever people call it, but definitely that co-creative process and shifting their perspectives to be able to stop giving so much airtime to the negative self-talk, to the limiting beliefs, to the, to the fears and the insecurities, um, which are very often unfounded um, and easily, easily overcome. And, and well, then- Can you speak to that real quick? Can you yeah. give our listeners some tips? If you have problems, I'm going to be honest, one of my main weaknesses, flaws, however you want to call it, is I hear this horrible self-talk. And mm. I've struggled with my whole life and I've got better at it. Mm-hmm. But for the listeners out there just like me and for what you've already overcome- what are some steps they can take each day to overcome this evil voice? 
Yeah. So, so I start each day with what I call my centered and soulful morning. And that really looks like getting into a space where I am setting myself up for being able to hear my own inner guidance, my own internal GPS, if you will. And that for me means that I meditate, that I do some affirmations and that I do some journaling. And sometimes I, I throw in a little exercise. I do some reading. Um, if anybody's ever heard of the miracle morning, uh, by Hal Elrod, that's, that's a book that, uh, that really has an elegant presentation of, of a similar system. I, uh, I do those things so that I can get to a place and I work with my clients to do these things so that they can get to a place that they are launching into their day where they can hear, they can hear what's going on inside, that they can be in alignment with their highest perspective, their most empowered view of themselves, that they have a system set up for being able to be reminded of those things. So one of the things, so I talk a lot about affirmations and this is something uh, I'm divinely guided and protected. This is probably one of the first affirmations that I started working with. And I, I mean, I did everything to remind myself of this because it's not a default thought at first when you're working with an affirmation. It's very, it feels forced and it feels a little silly and you have the things that's like our default programming, the go-to. I can't do this. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have the experience, right? But when you really get that you're divinely guided and protected, that you can't go wrong, that the way will be shown to you, uh, you know, you're going to take some different actions, right? So, Yeah, yeah so I was reading a verse the other day. I was sharing with my buddy. It says, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. We have to do our part and prepare the end of the day keeps us getting shot in the head is the God. <laughs> it keeps us keeps us safe. So exactly what you're saying, we need to prepare. Exactly. Exactly. There's a, it's it's not like I sit and meditate and ex- and hope it will all work out. There's work to do for sure. There and there's, you know, different there's a difference between taking inspired action and creating uh, you know, because you are so filled up and so clear about th- that you're overflowing to share something versus being in a space where I want something. And this is one of the things that I really work with business owners about is that creating from a place of want, like I really want to make X number of dollars in my business this year, or I really want to create a, a business that serves this kind of client. Creating from that place is like creating from less from noticing what I don't have and wanting to make it happen. And we really get very, very clear about who do I need to be in my business in order to do the things, take the inspired actions that are in alignment with my purpose, that are consistent with who I really am at my core and what's important to me. And then to let it unfold, to have the patience to really let things come, you know, the plants to bear fruit, if you will, and to be able to trust that it's going to work out. 
And to have that kind of stamina to stick with it, to keep going through that process, to keep looking at, you know, am I really honoring my purpose? Am I really owning who I truly am? Am I really doing the work to shift my perspective? Like what old narratives might be at play here that are not allowing me to see the inspired action because I'm still giving a little too much airtime to those limiting self-beliefs. And it's an, and on and on we go that, you know, that that's the process and, and to, to lean into the practices that allow those things to show up more clearly. So for me, it's meditation, like I said, and affirmations and, and journaling. Uh, you know, I do a lot of internal work. I, I have, uh, my clients do a lot of work to, to look at. What are the conversations that I'm having? Where, you know, where am I limiting myself? What's it going to look like if it keeps unfolding this way? Is that going to be fulfilling? And what would I have to do? Who would I have to be to shift the outcome? Yeah, that's so good. And if you're listening and your heart is like, yes, I want to do this. I'm fired up. Check out the show notes. Reach out to Andrea. You know, get connected. Um, We will help you in any way we possibly can. But if you're like, oh, that's a lot of work, you're probably not ready for it. I mean, the fact is, like, our theme, I don't know if you know this, Andrea, but our slogan for the Remarkable People podcast is listen, do, repeat for life. Exactly what you're saying. You can't just listen to the content. You need to apply it. You have to do it. You need to keep repeating each day, and you'll have a great life. So what Andrea is saying, spot on, it's it's right down the alley, and you can see how she's changed career paths in the sense of adjustments, but the foundational of the success is always the same. And for you and me, man, what's the vision we have? We need to work towards that, but it's that same grounding in Christ. And like she talks about each morning she wakes up, you don't drive all day and then be like, oh, where'd I drive to? You start off with a directive, and this is where I'm going, a destination. So she's getting up each day, and she's setting her destination. Then she's going there. She's not getting up, uh, taking a shower, t- drinking a cup of coffee, and then working for 12 hours and be like, oh, what did I just do? So take these tips that she's sharing and run with them, man. Man, so Andrea, how can we help you today? You, you've been so kind. You've shared so much truth. What can we do to help you today in life? Well, I'm actually really excited to be launching uh, a group coaching program, and that's going to be something that is a new offering. I am definitely taking the one-on-one experience and transferring it into something that is more of a collective. I'm calling it the up-level collective. And uh, it's a chance for people who maybe don't want to invest at the one-on-one price, but definitely hear something for themselves in these tools and want to be able to ground into who they really are and make shifts in their business, in their personal life, and in every area of life. And is this live group or is this a class like post-recorded? What is the group like? Yeah. So it's, it's live group. It's a couple, we meet a couple times a month that we're doing it over Zoom. So it's virtual. So wherever you are in the country, wherever you are in the world, if you think that this seems like a fit for you, this is, this is how we're doing it. And, uh, you know, it's a chance to, to be in the hot seat, to hear, you know, to get some coaching for what you're dealing with, your actual circumstances, not just, uh, what everybody else is, is dealing with in a pre-recorded session, but live to jump in and ask your questions and get them answered and to also have 
have the benefit of a community, people who are also of this mindset and really, you know, pushing for peak performance and understand the benefit of having like-minded people around them and, you know, the support of that community. So that's the, that's the collective part. So, so if anybody's interested in doing that, uh, we are, we're not live yet, but we are definitely collecting, you know, information for people who are interested so we can let you know when we're going live. And that is just at andreafreemanconsulting.com forward slash uplevel collective. And I will put absolutely a link in the show notes to that. So if you're interested, check out the show notes, whether you're listening through Google or Apple or Spotify, and then just click the link, you'll get right there. But um, Andrew, who, who's your vision? Who's the ideal client? I don't want to use the term client, but who's the ideal participant for this type of group meeting? Because we just had, I teach a podcasting made easy class, and I'm just helping people learn to podcast. And we have a small group. And that small group is what you're talking about. It's not one-on-one. There's pros and cons of both. But in that small group, there's a guy I've known for 12 years, and he's always struggled with getting clarity of his vision and then acting on it. Mm. And another member in a single sentence was the catalyst God used, and bang, this guy is on fire now the last two weeks fulfilling his purpose because something another group member said just it was the right thing at the right time. So what Andrea is doing with this group, sometimes one-on-one is the right thing, and sometimes a group's the right thing. So who would be the ideal person to fit in this group that you're seeing? Yeah, so the ideal person is definitely somebody who, as an entrepreneur, has been, uh, you know, successful in business, is fairly high achieving, and definitely pulls for peak performance in their life. Maybe you've done some other coaching, or you've taken some other courses, uh, and you're looking for that next thing that's going to have this next evolution of your business be more effortless, more in alignment, more in flow, and be more successful than you could have imagined. So somebody who's ready to to like achieve massive results and is willing to lean into trusting that they don't have to see it all right now. Awesome. Awesome. Now I've had a great time. I thank you so much for being here today, Andrea. Is there anything we missed or anything you want to cover or a final thought you want to share with our listeners before we go? This has been amazing. I think that the most important thing that we can all remember is that we're not alone, that we are definitely in a co-creative process and that that we can trust that this is all going to work out for us, that everything happens for us. Nothing happens to us. Man, that's awesome. Thank you so much. You truly are a remarkable person, Andrea. So thankful to have you here today. Um, for our listeners out there, we love you. If you need anything, again, reach out to Andrew if you have questions. If I can help you, reach out. And like this whole episode went over, listen to the good voices. Shut up the bad voices. Know that you're, you know, like Andrew, her purpose is to connect and inspire. Know your purpose. Fulfill it. Listen, do, repeat for life. We love you. Until next time, this is Dave Pasquale with Remarkable People Podcast. Andrea, thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We'll catch you guys next week. Have a great day and go do something. Bye. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. 
Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life.